it's a pretty obvious one. The last game he played, he allowed three goals on four shots, which honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen before. That was incredible in a bad way, in a scary way, we'll say. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 186 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. This time, just myself, Chad Melbourne, joined by Casey Abrams. No Harper Cody tonight once again. He is in Ottawa catching the Senators play. What a life that guy lives, man. Just always out doing stuff related to hockey. So no host tonight, but we'll we'll do it ourselves, Case. And uh, before we get into the episode, how are you doing? Doing good. Gearing up for another night full of hockey. It's Tuesday night for us. So after we're done this, the schedule is jam-packed. This is week number three of Casey complaining about the NHL schedule. As there was one game yesterday and two games Sunday and 46 games tonight. So um, yeah, it's just spread it out guys wednesday's blank again i just let's have five or six seven games every night it makes absolutely no sense and at, you know i will say this though at least today on this very nice tuesday october 24th there are i believe 16 games and they're all at least staggered so you can watch different games at the same time in between periods that's something that they haven't done in the past and every other league does so kudos to them for that but why do we have to have 16 games on a Tuesday when there was only one last night? It doesn't make any sense, especially for fantasy. It screws everybody over. Two on a Friday. Two games on a Friday. That was bad. That was bad. Because when do you have time to watch hockey on a Friday night? We were playing EASHL, and after the Devils-Islanders game, you go, oh, I'll throw on the evening game. I wonder, like, who's playing? No yeah. one. No there one. was no evening game. <laughs> Just absolutely brutal so i mean listen it's a tough job for the schedule makers i understand that but every other league seems to just figure it out so i don't know why the nhl can't but anyways all that being said uh i'm doing pretty well right now it's been a pretty hectic week as you know case we're having uh the halloween party Paige and i are at uh, the apartment this weekend so you should see the apartment right now it is decorated top to bottom with arts and crafts which also means that it's an absolute disaster it looks like a hurricane rolled through here uh in terms of just like scraps and and decorations and everything just laying all over the place so i'm excited for the weekend for the halloween parties uh um, but i'm equally if not more excited to get the house kind of cleaned up because i'm kind of like that but speaking of halloween that's going to be the theme of this episode. We're talking scary starts, baby. Scary starts, scary good starts, and just plain scary ones that aren't uh, very good. So that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, we're going to do another mini game segment. It's Harper's favorite segment. He's not on it today, so let's kill it for him. Case, what we're going to do today is we're going to do a draft of the best jersey numbers for forwards. But the key is it has to be worn by a player who is currently playing in the NHL. So no past numbers, no 99s, no 66, etc. Get my drift? Yeah. Okay, Okay. so you'll, you'll go first. I'll go second. We'll just go back and forth. We'll draft the top six jersey numbers of current players in the NHL. Number one to you, Case. Oh, I got number one. Oh, I was going to start off by playing defense and pick one that I know you want. I kind of have like six 
in my mind for for players uh i think for number one i will go with the number 29 i'm a big fan of this number some of these numbers on my board i don't even like personally i would never wear these numbers but i like the number 29 i think it looks sharp and come on dry mckinnon line Dubé, to name a few that wear that number, I think it looks great. And there's a lot of good players representing it. So I'm going to take 29. It's probably not a number one overall, and I probably botched that, but you surprised the shit out of me here. So, <laughs> Okay, I also had number 29 on my list. Not necessarily that high. It's interesting to think what your strategy is here, whether you're going to pick a number that represents a certain player who is so good or is the face of the game, or if you're going to go with more of a quantity pick like 29 and pick a number that a lot of good players wear. So interesting to see. I might follow suit then and go with a quantity pick for number two here, and I'll go with the number 88. I think that was the number you were referring to, the one that I wanted. Interestingly, both number one and two here were worn by William Nylander, Wild Bill, the guy who has nine points in five games for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season to start. But uh, yeah, aside from him, you've got maybe the best American-born NHL player ever in Patrick Kane and, and plenty of other really good players who have always said uh active players oh that well yeah <laughs> you know what there you go that's true but i'll stick with willie nylander and you know brent burns has worn 88 uh tara vinen there are some other really good ones am i missing anybody obvious right now i don't, I don't know could be. and there you go david posternak that's how good number 88 is so i'm okay to get that number two yeah 88 was certainly on my board and i'm gonna keep going with this like picking a number that a ton of people like great players wear and another number i like in the game of soccer this represents goal scores so if we're talking about forwards jersey numbers here i hope it continues over into the nhl and it does i'm taking number nine jack eichel forsberg keller kempe jt miller josh norris just to name a few, this is one of the most popular numbers in the NHL and in the sport of hockey, and uh, it's a great number. Really good number. Another quantity over quality pick, like you mentioned, even though there is some really good quality in there as well. For number three, I'm going to go a bit of a different direction and pick a number that represents sort of the game of hockey. The best player in the world wears it as well as one other player in the league who's pretty damn good himself. I'm going to go with number 97, Connor McDavid and Kirill Kaprizov. I don't think I can argue with that pick at number four. Yeah, I see. I didn't take that number. Like, I didn't even have it on my board, I mean, because obviously it's a it's a great number. It's our birth year, so, mm-hmm. you know, holds a little place in our heart. McDavid wears it, meaning it's got a lot of face value. But I also think it's kind of going to start to go into that that category of numbers you can't wear anymore like Mm. you wear the number 97 everyone's like oh what a dick i think that's probably why no one else in the league wears 87 other than Sidney crosby Mm -hmm. um that number's reserved and 87 is probably going to be retired forever i mean we'll see what happens like he could be in that category so uh I stay away from it because it doesn't it's not going to hold the value very long i think because it's going to be one of those numbers where I don't think people can, if, if it doesn't get fully retired, people aren't going to be able to wear 97 until it's like, oh, McDavid was drafted when I was born. 
Like yeah. those kids are going to be wearing that number. But don't you think that makes it hold a bit more weight? Like the fact that it could be league wide retired at a certain date, like 99, like 66 should be, you know, other numbers like that. 87, you mentioned. I don't know. I think I like I thought 97 was going to go number one. But interestingly, we both picked a quantity over quality. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see why you took this. But I think it's like. I, I think no one else like Kaprizov is wearing it because he's a just a wild character himself but i think yeah. that most of the time if you see someone else wearing 97 you're like oh this guy thinks he's mcdavid yes so that's, that's why true. i stayed away from it but obviously it's a great number and for that you know for that reason my next pick is going to be one that represents more specific players and not qual- quantity over quality and that's number 86 uh that's a great number i i like it i like the look of it jack hughes kucherov are the two studs that wear that number it's probably the best play big playmaking number in the league if i could argue that because yeah. kucherov and hughes that's pretty good uh as well as like marchenko taravainen or a couple others that wear the number and it is growing in popularity obviously it's going to continue to grow with the likes of jack hughes wearing it so i like 86 and uh i'm taking it that's a good pick. Uh, I think I said Teravinen for 88. You're right, though. He is 86. I think in my head, they just look very similar. So that makes a lot of sense. Also, 80 or sorry, uh, 98 looks very similar to 86 to me because the other night when I was watching the Leafs and Lightning, every time Kucherov touched the puck, I thought it was Mikhail Sergachev. I think because I have Sergachev in my fantasy league and I was hoping that he would do something. So no word of a lie, when Kucherov scored his first goal, I audibly shouted. I was like, yes, because I thought it was Sergachev. And even though they scored against the Leafs, that's how whack my brain is because of fantasy. But anyways, turns out it wasn't. I got the numbers mixed up. Well, to make you feel like a little less bad about that mix up mm-hmm. timo meyer wore 96 last year and people were confusing him and jack hughes they're not yeah. they don't look anything alike yeah but, you know 96 98 86 they're all they all look the same yeah it's funny our little pea brains just see a number that looks similar and goes ah oh, my player that i want like <laughs> yeah. nice uh okay so to round it out number six i'm surprised this number fell this far This number to me represents a lot of older players in the league who are superstars or at least who were superstars. I think this number um, was really, really popular amongst some players who are a bit older than us and some really good names still wear this number. 91, Steven Stamkos, John Tavares, now Nazem Kadri, uh, Tyler Sagan, a lot of good players have worn number 91. So I think that's a great pick at number six. Yeah. Tarasenko, Tarasenko. Kane, Dawson Mercer. There you go. Yeah, I guess Mercer kind of breaks the mold because he's younger. Leo Carlson. Does he really wear 91? Yep. Damn. Good I, uh, 91, I did think about that. I didn't take it, obviously. A um, couple other ones I thought about were 71 for the same reason, uh-huh. uh, as well as 13. Yeah, 13. Yeah, 13 is a good one just a great it's a great number it is in general the devils weren't allowed to wear it at one time under lou lamorello mm-hmm. and then as soon as he left i think it was michael camilleri stuck it to him and now nico he is rubbing it in his face every night 
Yeah, I mean, 13 for me, I think, er, like, obviously Matt Sundin, but we, yeah. we're talking active players. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that concludes uh, our draft of the best jersey numbers of forwards for the minigame segment. These are getting more and more abstract as the week goes on, and I absolutely love it. Um, but what we're going to do, like we mentioned, is talk about scary starts to the season. Because it's spooky season, Halloween is coming up. We're talking scary starts. We're going to start with scary good starts. A team, player, coach, GM, you name it, who has had a great start to the season. And then to finish off the episode before we do fantasy corner we'll do just plain scary starts meaning starts that you know aren't so great and uh yeah that that's how we're gonna do it so case we'll go to you first with your scary good start to the season uh yeah i kind of hemmed and hawed there's a couple of ones you know teams that are scaring me some obvious ones in being vegas and colorado as they are undefeated but there's maybe a little you know, expectation out of them to be that good. So I went with the Detroit Red Wings, who in our preseason rankings, I think we fought, we fell at number seven with them, mm-hmm. mostly because that division's so good. And, and that's one of the reasons why this is such a scary good start, because it's scary good at, at how well they're doing. But it's also scary for teams like Buffalo and Ottawa and Boston and you know everyone in that division really because they're all fighting for a playoff spot they're all good teams so i thought this was a scary start i mentioned in the in the preseason rankings that the stat that dylan larkin has only played with one 60 point score and it was bertuzzi one season i wanted yep. to dig into that a little more and i actually pulled the stats so last year larkin led the team and then perron had 56 points the year before that larkin had 69 and bert had 62 so that was a little outlier before that Larkin, 23 points in 44 games, and Hironic led the team with 26 and 56. <laughs> season before that, Larkin had 53. Burt had 48. Season before that, 73 for Larkin and 54 for Athanasiu. And in oh, his wow. rookie year, Larkin had 63 and Zetterberg had 56. So he really hasn't had much support when it comes to scoring goals and really hasn't really had anyone on his line. Well, that's changed. Boy, has that changed. Oh, yeah. They're currently leading the league in goals per game in with five goals per game, which is unbelievable. Debrinkat, his winger, is leading the league with 12 points in six games. Eight of them are goals. And Larkin has 11 points in six games. Raymond also doing great. Sider is contributing. Ghost is contributing. Perron, Comfer, Sprong, Valeno. The depth of this team, like they are all contributing. And I mean, like Comfer, for example, has led the team in ice time as forward. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we expected that going into this season. So obviously the pickups have worked. Finally, a guy like Cop is showing up on this team. They picked him up last year and, and then he kind of ghosted them. Uh, but I really like, you know, the goal scoring and what this team has done up front. But then the defense has been much better than what we expected, uh, being seventh in goals against average. And their expected goals per 60 of 2.11 against backs that up with that being ninth in the league as well so it's not like they're just getting lucky on the back end they're playing good team defense uh what i noticed when they played the devils which was their only loss on the season with them being five and one and they were the better team that night i'll admit that what i noticed watching that is how aggressive they are on the forecast and how they swarm a team and the stats back that up as well with them having the highest share of takeaways in the league at 63.27 percent in their games um 
goaltending has been pretty middle of the road. It kind of seems like Reimer is actually the better goalie of the two so far. So it'll be interesting to see how that tandem battles it out for the rest of the year. Um, I just think that in general, this team looks really good. I know it's six games in, so let's slow down. And they do have a goals for above expected of 8.46. So expect that to, mm-hmm. to you know, even things out uh, later on in the year. But this team is certainly throwing their hat in as a playoff contender. And I'm excited to see what they can do for the year because we did mention that they can shock people, but we also put them at seven. Wow. Yeah. Like Detroit, the start has been incredible. The one thing case that you failed to mention that I have to bring up is Justin Hull leading the team at a plus nine. That guy is just on the ice when it matters. Yeah. (laughs) Big mistake. I did, I did notice that and I just failed to mention it, but I kind of wanted to mention that because uh, it's just a good screw you to Leafs fans. Yeah, even though he's been scratched in one game so far, like he's not, like he's yeah. just, it's one of those things. Like obviously plus minus, like not a lot of people put much stock into it. Neither do the players, analysts, whatever, and neither do we. It's just one of those numbers that is still kicking around. And now because it's Justin Hole, it's been shared a lot on social media. I've had that sent to me a few times. Harper actually did, but you know, so it is what it is, but what an incredible start. I'm glad you brought up their, their, uh, uh, goals for above expected because of course being right now number one in the league in terms of the luck stat you have to imagine that that's going to come down even in fantasy rankings players like uh, Larkin and Debrinket are I believe both in the top three in our fantasy league you know because that like every league is different and how they weight goals assists whatever I'm pretty sure they're both in the top three as of right now certainly within the top five that's going to change. They're going to come back down to earth. I could see them both being around a point per game. Debrinket, I could see a 50 goal season incoming. You know, it's not like he forgot how to score when he went to Ottawa. He just didn't want to be there and wasn't really surrounded by the same sort of players. So, like, he's going to have a great season. I just think five games in, we might want to pump the brakes for saying that he's going to win the Art Ross or something because, you know, those takes exist out there. But yeah, what a scary good start for the rest of the Atlantic division. You know, like they're looking at this team now who, who has got off to an incredible pace. And now all of a sudden, you know, I'll exclude Boston because they're undefeated right now currently. But all of a sudden teams battling for a playoff spot, including buffalo and and i mean you can lump montreal in there as well and ottawa and tampa bay and even toronto like and and florida like these are teams who now are all of a sudden scared of the detroit red wings because if things keep going well it could mean they get into a playoff spot for the first time in you know what feels like almost a decade so yeah definitely a good start This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. There's plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite is lemon lime. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. 
SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Okay, my scary good start, you mentioned them off the bat, uh, uh, a team that's still undefeated, one of two right now, is the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, They're 6-0-0. It seems like everything is going right for this team and there are no signs of a Stanley Cup hangover, which is often the case. You know, you often see a team who wins the cup kind of start slow and a bit shaky out of the gate. Maybe complacency creeps into the mindset for a lot of players or or they just can't afford to keep every player or you know, short off season, short off season. There's a number of reasons, right? Like but so usually that plays a factor. That's not the case for the Vegas Golden Knights. They have come out of the gate scoring at will and and getting great goaltending as well. So right now they have five guys who are over or at a point per game, which is insane. Chandler Stevenson, who you mentioned, had a really great week in fantasy a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jack Eichel, uh, uh, William Carlson, almost said Eric Carlson, Shea Theodore and Mark Stone. All of those guys are performing. Those are their big guys. And then between the pipes... You know, this is a team who really has figured it out. They don't need an absolute number one goalie who's going to play, you know, 70 games and win them all for you. They have a really, really good tandem now of Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson, both of whom are undefeated, both of whom are positive in my favorite stat, goal saved above expected, and both of whom have really good uh, service level numbers as well. So, They just have everything figured out right now. And to me, that should be scary for the rest of the league, especially in the Western Conference. Yeah. um, First off, you don't have to mention Chandler Stevenson's fantasy week to me because I have him on my team. I know. I think I picked him up in the 11th round. So that was a steal for me so far. He is leading the team in points, which is excellent. There's only one guy on this team that doesn't have a point, and it's William Carrier, who adds a whole different element to the game so it doesn't even matter like uh it is a scary start it's scary to think that i think we put edmonton ahead of them in our preseason rankings and edmonton is in the category of scary bad starts mm-hmm. and vegas looks like they haven't even they're just continuing from last year it's just one fluid motion for them the depth is amazing and um yeah yeah the preseason it looked like this was going to be the case and i mean here it is. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say, there is a bit of a problem, you know, six games into the season. So obviously numbers aren't entirely reliable yet. The sample size is just too small. But the one problem I do see with this team is that they're giving up a ton of chances. Right now, they're 29th in the league in terms of expected goals against. They've just been getting some pretty good goaltending. So yeah. they're giving up a ton of chances, but their goalies have been coming through. I don't know how long that lasts. You know, I like the tandem, but it's it's something to keep an eye on at least. But so they, far, it's been pretty good. They've allowed the most high danger uh, scoring chances against. Yeah. Or shots well, against, rather. There you go. And I guess that does make sense, too, because... Goal saved above expected is a counting stat. So the more dangerous opportunities you're able to stop, the higher that stat is going to be, which just intuitively makes sense. But yeah, that's something to to keep an eye on as the season goes on, because I doubt that they're going to be that bad defensively. I feel like 
they're just they're they'll probably stop scoring a little bit and start playing tighter defensively as the season goes on right now i think they're third in total goals in the in in the league right now um so i'm sure that will you know they'll both kind of meet in the middle somewhere and be i would guess top third of the league you know top top 10 to 12 or so um that's just a a rough projection right now but yeah so i'm sure it'll come together but another thing, just final point on on Vegas's hot start. Even their special teams are clicking right now. Both their power play and their penalty kill are ranked ninth in the league. Which, if you can stay within that zone in that top third of the league, really in most categories, you have a really great shot at not only making the playoffs but doing some damage as well. So, being that or both both their power play and penalty kill being ninth right now, I think is a good sign as well. Yeah. Okay, let's go to you for your just playing scary start. Whether you know, just a bad, bad, and and scary bad start. Yeah, I went with one that uh, it was personal for me. I wanted to prove a point. I know it's only four games in for them, uh, but you guys were pretty high on them in the preseason rankings, and I was pretty low. I ranked them seventh, and uh, I think we landed at fifth for them or something like that. Anyways. I want to talk about the Washington Capitals, mm. who are, started out the season at one, two, and one. That's not terrible. It's four games in, I know, but what I've seen has not looked good. Their biggest problem so far is that they've scored five goals in those four games. That's 1.25 goals per game last in the league. I mentioned in the preseason rankings that one thing that scared me is that they struggled to score last year. And I attributed it to an aging core. There was some talk about injuries and stuff like that. But so far, they've continued. They don't have a power play goal in those four games. That's uh, wild. Their penalty kill has been relatively weak. I don't have it written down, but I think it's like 25th in the league. Um, their leading scorer currently is John Carlson, that has three points tied with five foot eight, 147 pound, 25 year old rookie Matthew Phillips. Respect the hell out of what he's done so far this season, taking a spot from Anthony Mantha, who's a monster. Mm-hmm. And really, he's been the only bright spot so far for this team. Uh, Backstrom and Oshi don't have a point. Kuzi has one. Uh, Wilson has one. Somehow, Ovi hasn't found the back of the net yet, uh, which I think destroyed some like season opening record for him uh goals and season opening games anyways i I don't remember what the record is mm. it's crazy to see a world where ovi has 0.6 expected goals through four games but i have no doubt he'll turn around he'll probably end up with 40 something this year some ridiculous bunch of power play goals for <laughs> uh but yeah this team can't score right now and i don't know if they're snake bitten or what's going on and then when it you look at team defense, it has been much better. They're 3.75 goals against average is 25th in the league as well. And it's not like they haven't been unlucky. They have 0.54 goals against above expected. So they're getting scored on as much as they should expect. Um, and goaltending is probably the, the number one cause of that at the moment. It's been a real sore spot for them. Uh, Kemper is an 887 save percentage and Lindgren who just went down with an injury is an 886. Uh, I said this team would struggle in the preseason rankings, and so far they've proven me right. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Um, 
like I mentioned earlier, they are playing the Maple Leafs right now as we speak. They started at 6 o'clock, which was a bit of an odd start time. Through the first period, they had 16 shots on goal to Toronto's 5, and they're down one nothing. So that yeah. just goes to show that, you know, the goaltending hasn't been great. But I think it also shows that maybe some of their lackluster offensive production might start sort of coming back to what we expected to happen at the start of the year. They're not going to be as dynamic as they used to be offensively, but they're not going to be in the absolute basement either because they still have some weapons and guys are going to figure it out. Like you said, with Ovi, like you'll still probably finish with, you know, like 30 to, to 40 goals, I think would be reasonable. And then, you know, this season and next, and then maybe a bit of the one after that, we might see him break Gretzky's goal record. So, yeah. Um, and, and by the way, number eight was another number. I just I thought of that too. I was like, <laughs> how did we not take eight? <laughs> it was it was up there for me. Eight and 87 were on the board for me for our yeah. draft of, uh, of best jersey numbers for forwards. But yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a bit of a tough start for them. I don't know if they're going to be in a, in a playoff spot this year. I think they have some moving pieces and some holes in their lineup that they need to figure out. Um, they need to get a guy like Tom Wilson going. They need to get Ovi going, obviously. His first time, was it ever in the NHL going two straight games without a shot on goal? I believe that happened this year, and I think it was his first time ever. You can correct me if, if I'm wrong, if that stat isn't entirely true but i think it was i saw that on instagram so yeah things haven't been going well i'll tell you what talking about fantasy you know their power play has been abysmal and john carlson owners that's what you get john carlson for even though he's still you know he has three points or whatever you said he has so you know he's doing something compared to some of the other players on the team but i'll tell you right now rasmus sandin owners are punching the air right now because Last season, when he came over to Washington, he was expected to be this this new power play quarterback, this guy who was going to play 25 minutes a night and, and get 40 points from the back end or something. Well, he has not been as advertised, even though he's playing a ton of minutes. He hasn't been able to produce offensively at five on five or on the power play as expected. So that's been a bit of a tough start. Uh, I had well. him and Trevor Van Riemsdyk queued at one point and passed on both of them. And mm -hmm. uh, that's worked out so far because neither of them has got a point. Yeah. So it's tough. I mean, yeah, it's a scary start. I don't know if they'll figure it out, but I think they're certainly better than these first few games indicate anyway. So I guess we'll see. Okay. Moving on to my uh, just plain scary start, a scary bad start. And, and to sort of wrap up the uh, programming for this episode, I'm going to go with Ilya Samsonov in Toronto. It's a pretty obvious one. The last game he played, he allowed three goals on four shots, which honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen before. That was incredible in a bad way, in a scary way, we'll say. So um, he's allowed 14 goals in just four games played. He has a 4.35 goals against average and an 831 save percentage. He's dead last in the NHL right now in terms of goals saved above expected. And the thing is, we know that Samsonov isn't a, a starting goalie um, among like the best starting goalies in the league, I'll say, but he is a starting goalie in a tandem situation. And right now I think that's what's coming through and, and we're seeing sort of his true colors that 
you know, he's going to have to rely on a backup like Joseph Wool to come in and sort of split the games in in a bit of a platoon situation. So Ilya Samsonov, some tough, tough, tough numbers to start the season. That's a scary, bad start, if you ask me. Yeah, that was scary on fr- on uh, Saturday night. I had the game on in the background and I had to do a double look when I saw the goals were three and the shots were four as Samsonov was skating out of the net. That was a tough look, but he has struggled all year so far. And I think that was always going to be a question mark going into the season for anyone looking at the Leafs is like, is he going to be the starting goaltender, especially when they don't really have the like solidified backup? Um, I hope that this isn't the answer to that question so far and that this is just a slow start. But I mean, the team hasn't the team hasn't been terrible on defense, so it's really just not a good look and uh hopefully he'll be able to turn around for you leafs cult members yeah i actually looked into that as well because i was wondering if it was the defense that that had been really bad but i forget i don't have the numbers in front of me right now but it's almost identical in terms of per 60 uh, expected goals against last year versus this year, even though it's uh, they've only played five games. So it's been about the same team defensively so far. It Sammy just hasn't been able to make big saves at key moments. And, you know, going back to that Tampa Bay game, people said, like, I, I saw some comments, people saying that he got cooched on, which I thought was hilarious, by the way. Like, just a funny <laughs> way to say that. But Kucherov was really, really good. And, and he was able to to make plays to make Sammy look silly on the power play. Mm. And even though that was the case, and Sheldon Keefe sort of alluded to this in his post-game comments, you need a save at some time, at some points. Like, sometimes you just need it. And maybe that's not fair to the goalie, but when Freddie Anderson was in Toronto, that was a big point of contention uh, amongst people who who loved and hated Freddie Anderson, you know, the people who loved him would say, "Listen, he's getting unlucky. What do you expect him to do there?" And the people who you know just wanted their goalie to perform would say, "Well, listen, like he's a goalie, he needs to make a save. If he's really that good, he needs to make a save at a at a key opportunity." And that's exactly what Joseph Wool did when he came into that game. Cold, mind you, made all the big saves at all the right times and won the game in overtime for the Leafs. So that's, I think, a, a bright spot for Toronto having him now. But I don't think it's really a solution. You know, you know, like the guy's played 13 games in his entire NHL career. Mind you, he has pretty good numbers in in those 13 games, but it's a really small sample size. So we'll see going forward what exactly happens. But I, I don't think anyone's arguing with the fact that Ilya Samsonov has had a, a, a really tough start to the season. Yeah. Okay, well, wrapping up this episode case, let's do a brief uh, segment in fantasy corner we'll talk about how our weeks went in fantasy hockey last year or or last week rather in our boys in the booth fantasy hockey league 20 team league by the way very very deep and then uh, maybe we we can add a tidbit or two to try to help uh, other fantasy hockey players improve their team this coming week i know i've got one so we'll go to you first and uh, we'll we'll talk about your your fantasy hockey uh, experience last week. Well, I've started the season two and zero. I'm third in the league based off points four. Uh, I beat Luke Sheridan 
187.95 to 150.75. It was an absolute slaughtering. My team maybe overperformed, and a big culprit of that was Sam Reinhardt, who got me 30.25 points. A last-second empty net goal helped that out against Toronto. Um, Kem- uh, excuse me, Hughes was also excellent for me. Dunn, Pasternak kind of the guys I expected, but Sam Reinhardt was the real beast. A tip this week is the New Jersey Devils play four games this week. Um, they've already started one, so I guess if you're looking to pick someone up, you can get three games out of a Devils player. There you go. Um, my tip was also games play related because we know that games played are king right now. So along with New Jersey, the teams who play four times are the Washington Capitals, who we talked about, who could be expected to bounce back depending on what you think of their offense they have a lot of weapons um, and there are a lot of players on that team who are available in a lot of leagues tj oshi we mentioned hasn't done anything offensively but is expected to tom wilson might be unowned in some leagues as well so there you go um so washington uh, new jersey like you mentioned san jose uh is another team montreal uh, Minnesota Wild and the Buffalo Sabres all play four times. Now, you're listening to this uh, probably on Wednesday. So the teams who play uh, three times as of then, so you can get three games out of them. You can get San Jose, uh, Montreal, and Minnesota. Um, and I guess if you pick up a player on the Wednesday when you're listening to this, you can also get Washington and New Jersey. So, yeah. And I just got screwed in fantasy because the announcement that Aho will play tonight has come out after he started. Oh. So thanks, Sportsnet, for that. That's that notification. Tough. So Aho will sit on my bench, but I mean Chandler Stevenson and Reinhardt at center right now. So uh, yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. That that final goal for Reinhardt, honestly, case that's what I was thinking about the goal against the Leafs with like a second left I was like man like what like what is even the point of that like teams like the team defending obviously doesn't care that it goes in right but then you start thinking with your fantasy brain and it's like well someone just benefited from that how about the like money bet on games like hitting me over or Reinhardt scoring that's really yeah that's really true or or even yeah yeah there you go or a point getting a point like like the guy who assisted that like secondary assist or something getting a point like could make or break a parlay so there's a lot that goes into it it's kind of crazy but going back to my fantasy week last week uh i beat captain nico which is lvb uh 176 to 132 lvb completely uh underperformed uh he was projected for 173 and i underperformed by a little bit i was projected for 188 so i thought it was going to be a lot closer and come down to the wire but at about friday i think i was pretty confident that i was going to win so i'm one and one on the season sitting in seventh place uh second among the teams who are also one and one in terms of uh total points for so not in a bad spot but like i was saying to you earlier case um this year i've kind of realized that my team isn't as strong obviously as it was last year because i sold or or i bought rather at the deadline so i traded away a bunch of my uh high picks and wasn't able to draft as well so i'm kind of just doing my best to make the playoffs and then hoping to see if something good happens from there um to wrap up fantasy corner two quick trades to to talk about and uh, i guess announce and then have have a 
brief conversation about what'd you make of my trade today josh norris one for one for morgan riley uh i think that i think he kind of got away with one there because defense are at a premium in our league and it's it's hard to get anyone let alone morgan riley who's typically a, a fantasy horse so uh josh norris is obviously gonna you know kind of work out in fantasy but uh defense have a high price tag and you got them for i would say a low cost yeah i see i didn't want to give up norris i wanted to give up someone else because norris has played two games and i think he's averaging like eight and a half fantasy points per game or something uh the dude's electric but my my d were just pretty thin so i had to i had to do it had to pull the trigger and believe me i offered some way worse proposals not including norris and uh so i had to bite the bullet there and then the other deal did you see the other deal uh between kuznetsov's third line and no regretskis yeah okay so kuznetsov's third line receives keller a fifth and a ninth in exchange for jason robertson a third and a sixth what were your thoughts on that um you know at face value i was like is kuznetsov's third line smoking crack or something Mm -hmm. um i think jason robertson is such a huge fantasy player uh he's gotten off to a slow start but like his team's been great so he's gonna catch up and it's just a matter of time um clayton keller obviously also a good fantasy player just in the amount of points he's going to score but doesn't really contribute in the the hits and blocks and everything like that in the way that maybe a jason robertson will plus jason robertson 50 goal potential Mm -hmm. Uh, but i guess behind the scenes it's kind of to do with keepers next year robertson isn't a keeper and keller is like a fifth round keeper or something like that so that's one of the reasons but i still think that you know if Nora Gretzky who is looking to win this year then I think that his team is really benefit and Nora Gretzky or um excuse me Kuznetsov's third line who won the seat won the league last year I guess maybe he's not worried about this year as much even you know though he's doing quite good with a team that bought at the deadline yeah like it's confusing to me because I'm not exactly sure which direction Jake jacob is going with this team whether he wants to be to contend again or if he wants to sort of retool on the fly this deal makes it look like he wants to retool on the fly but i have some insider information from from nate who said that he uh kuznetsov sent him a trade the same thing basically like jason robertson and anze kopitar and lucas raymond going to nate in exchange for matthew kachuk and steven stamkos which clearly like that's the value isn't there at all no but the 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 ideas of the two trades are totally different the the objectives are totally different so that's why i was a bit confused on the on the direction where he wants to go but i mean is that a metaphorical coin flip for the direction of his season it could be it could very well be but (laughs) Yeah, I guess we'll see how it plays out. He is 2-0 right now with a pretty damn good team. So uh, we'll see. Okay, well, I think that concludes episode 186 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. 
connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.